Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Michael. Did you hear, or I guess read, Bernie Sanders' interview, what he said uh, when he was interviewed by the New York Times? No, I had a hard enough time listening to the debate on Friday. They asked him how he was going to get a Republican majority in the Senate to go along with his plans. I'm sure it was a riveting response. His response was this, and I don't even think I'm paraphrasing. It was, I'm going to give Mitch McConnell an offer he can't refuse. Oh, you're going to bribe him? No, no, no. Wait a minute. How broad and inexplicit is that? That's like Warren Buffett. Here, I got the equivalent. Warren Buffett's key to making a million dollars. You buy low, you sell high. Easy as that. That was his answer, basically. I'm right. just going to tell him he's going to do I'm going to give him an offer he can't refuse. Okay. Does this surprise you? Because his response to how much it was going to cost taxpayers for his medical whatever Marijuana? idea. No. <laughs> for the new um, medical insurance plan. Medicare for all? Yes. Was, let's not get into the details. Right now we have to beat Trump. Welcome to Fireproof Your Finances, a show with 30 minutes of real questions, real concepts, and real answers. Your hosts are Michael and Vanessa Markey, a husband and wife duo with a playful on-air dynamic and common sense approach toward teaching listeners how to take control of their finances. Michael is the numbers and strategies guy who is passionate about solving financial issues. The standard deviation. I mean, I would talk about standard deviation as well, but they talk about the, the beta, the alpha, the standard deviation of the particular uh, mutual fund allocation that we're looking at. Vanessa is the down-to-earth voice of reason, pulling his reins in. Okay, but your $5,000 couch isn't going to turn around and pay for something if you have a catastrophic event. This philosophy has led Michael to receive national recognition from being named one of the 10 most innovative agencies in the country by AM Best, to being deemed a local celebrity from Insurance Newsnet magazine and a hero to the insurance industry from Life Health Pro. He has even been given the Moving America Forward Award from William Shatner. And now, here are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa Markey. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. We are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa. Hello. And today, well, last, I guess we took a week off by accident. Yes. But in our last new show, we talked about that we we're going to go over leasing. Correct. And is it really fleecing, like Dave Ramsey would say? Right. Your favorite person in the world. You know... I'm turning over a new leaf. Okie dokie. Less negativity. That I realized, you know, none of us are perfect. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Is that because of what you just tweeted? No. <laughs> Somebody had to go to Dallas for 48 hours. Oh, this is funny. And uh, I was getting extremely irritated texts about the two gentlemen he needed to sit in between. One. I had the guy from Game of Thrones, the red-bearded guy, and he smelled like he had just slaughtered a hog. And then another gentleman who was significantly larger. Yes. For a flight that lasted an extra two hours. Correct. We circled around Dallas for two hours because of a storm. Right. But what I just learned on Twitter, because I opened it, and by the way, we have 100 fo followers now. That's pretty exciting. Score. Three um, triple digits. Somebody has Bluetooth headphones. Apparently, he did not pair said Bluetooth headphones with cell phone, and well, therefore, on. the plane got to hear at deafening volumes what was coming out of your phone. So this guy sitting next to me, 
he he had to have in a two-hour flight put five dips in uh chewing tobacco Hmm. so it was constant permeation of spearmint aroma i thought you weren't even allowed to do that on a plane i don't know i kind of thought that too so i'm thinking god this guy's kind of rude it's making my stomach turn he's right next to me Oh, that's gross. And it's, I mean, it's just a permeating stench. Like, is it legit dip or is it the little like pouches? That pouches. Don't, okay, well, that's that's better. But permeating stench. You yes. know, like when somebody boards with Chinese food and you're like, seriously. Yes. So, and I'm thinking in my head, God, this guy's rude. And I got my headphones on and I'm watching this movie and I can't hear the movie. I'm probably 10 minutes into it. And I'm like. Turn the thing Which up. Which means, by the way, you guys, he jacked it all the way up so the entire plane could hear what he was watching. Correct. I have it as loud as it can go. I'm like, man, these headphones are not good anymore. And then I realized I took my headphone off for a minute. I'm like, hey, it gets louder. I'm like, because these are noise canceling. And I go, uh oh. And the guy next to you probably shoved another dip in, glaring. You think he would have said something? I would have said something. I would have been like, sir, your headphones are not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not rude. It's just, hey, buddy. Can you imagine everybody look at me? Here, I've got headphones on, and I've got sound coming out of my phone. Right. They're like, idiot millennial. Probably. That's what was going on. Anyway. So, so yes. Uh, be careful not to judge and think others are the rude ones when you, in fact, may be the rude one. Right. I was the rude guy on the plane. Yes, you were. Unfortunately. Or by accident. But... Back to uh, back to what we were talking about. So Sorry, leasing. ADD. We had a, a a friend of ours. I'll put it that way. And they're leasing a car. You want to tell the story? Why they leased? They were having issues with their car that they owned flat out. Mm-hmm. It needed some. Rep- it was paid off though. Yeah, paid off. That's what owned flat out means. Oh, I didn't hear you say that. <laughs> but maybe anyways, other, maybe others didn't hear owned, you. Owned. And there were a couple of minor things that needed to be fixed to the tune of, I think it was less than $1,000. Sure. Call it that. Instead of fixing those issues on a vehicle that they had been driving for a couple of years, so they know what the little quirks are with it Mm -hmm. and have done maintenance on it, they traded it in and leased a vehicle because the payment was going to be cheaper. Because they couldn't afford the repairs. Right, because they couldn't afford the repairs, so the monthly payment with the upfront, if there was any upfront, was going to be cheaper than repairing a vehicle. Now, I think a lot of our listeners probably hear that and go, oh, I would never do that. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I would have, I've heard people forget headphones on an airplane and they're playing their iPad loud and you can hear it five rows back and I'd be like, mm, look at that guy. I'd never do that. And then right. sometimes you do because you get, and, and I've seen this a lot. This is why I liked this example. Here you've got somebody who can't afford the repairs on the vehicle they have. It's paid for. Mm-hmm. But it's boring. It smells like, you know, stale old McDonald's fries. Dog. Dog. Maybe or, or maybe Burger King fries. I don't know their preference in that regard. And instead of figuring out how to come up with that money, I think it was over a thousand, but not a lot. It wasn't a yeah. five thousand dollar repair on a seven thousand dollar car. It was maybe a fifteen hundred dollar repair on a seven or eight thousand dollar car. Right. Which said repair would then last at least another five, six, seven years. Well, well, let's do it backwards because I know their their lease payment. I think they told us was right around two hundred dollars, right? Yeah. So you got to break even then, even if you assuming you didn't put anything down of seven months, right? And like you said, they they know what they they have in that car. But one of the things that I get a lot from people, and I get to hear financial stories from people that you, most of 
you listening wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And there are people that seem like on the outside they've got it all going right and everything together. And then I get to see the financial mess behind the scenes. Right. And I'm not saying that's always the case, but I certainly see that sometimes. Well, correct. And it is, especially with cars, it's one of these easy things to go, oh, new car, I won't have all this repairs. Um, it's it's really an emotional right. purchase. And there are a lot of people, this sounds outrageous or bizarre, if you can't afford the repair, why would you get into a lease? It happens more than you think. Mm-hmm. And one of the, so is... Leasing, fleecing, as Dave Ramsey would say. Not necessarily. There is a cost for convenience. Correct. I was talking about this with the the taxi driver on the way to the airport this morning. Um, this is a good spot to take a break, but let's sit with that through the break, that there's a cost to convenience. It doesn't mean you're getting ripped off. Right. But sometimes I think we use faulty math to reinforce the decision we want to make. It's more important to understand, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. And maybe I can or can't. But once you understand the emotion behind it, it makes it easier to say, is this a good decision or bad? Let's take a quick break. United Airlines makes it easy to fly from Muskegon County Airport with a travel-friendly schedule and competitive airfares. Haven't flown from Muskegon in a while? Fly locally with a short commute and parking located just steps from the terminal. Check-in and security lines are never more than 50 passengers per flight. At the end of your trip, get your bags quickly and be home in no time. Flights depart daily at 6.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. Starting mid-February, the evening flight arrives at 11.20 p.m. to maximize return flight options from most locations. It pays to check Muskegon first at united.com. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to grmusiclessons.com. That's grmusiclessons.com. Welcome back, everybody, to segment two of Fireproof Your Finances. As we mentioned before, join us on Twitter at Fireproof Show. You can be new follower 101. Yeah. Maybe 102 if you're slow to the draw. Yeah, I was surprised. Those followers have increased a little bit despite our lack of tweeting. I've been tweeting. Today. Here, Here and there. Well, I tweeted out the... Oh, we didn't talk about this on the show last time. Hmm. So we talked about how when you play Monopoly with real money, it changes. You tweeted out the John Travolta thing. I forgot to do it on the show, though. John, who? I mean, who does? John Travolta, on a regular basis, plays Monopoly with real money. I mean, he does make a lot of money. Yeah, but then you have to wonder, like, if I win and I'm at his house, do I get to get invited again? You never know. It's a Scientology thing. Really? I'm not. No, it's not. But he is a Scientologist. Is he? Yes. I thought he's too tall. I don't think they have height requirements. I don't know. They're all based pretty, on their leaders, though. They're all short. A, that is a plausible uh, response, but I don't think he's that tall. And do you think when you see these leaders, co- completely off topic, but they seem to be very narcissistic? Nar- narcissistic. Yes. Yes. And self-absorbed. Like, do you think because they're so short, they take? Oh, we're gonna get like shot. Yeah, we should just not go down this road right now. But like Leah Remini, we do love you. Please come save us. <laughs> but they're not gonna have normal height doors. They have shorter doors to make them look taller. <laughs> All right, that's going. Away. Would that shock you? No. <laughs> they I drive have around to the, say no. How about they drive around the golf cart versions of an Escalade to make them look bigger? <laughs> 
All right. So maybe they, we're maybe, increasing your life insurance. Maybe they lease the Escalade golf cart thing. Okay. Back to leasing. <laughs> All right. So is leasing fleecing? Here's the thing. There is a cost for comfort. There's a cost for convenience. I'm personally not against leasing at all. Right. I think there's some downsides. You have to do it intelligently. You got to do it for the right reasons. Correct. So if you're leasing, I want you to think, am I leasing because Bob down the street has a new car and I want to have a new car? Are we leasing to maintain a lifestyle? Right. That we can't otherwise afford outside of that. That'd be a warning sign. Yes. That would be, you know what, I'm leasing for the wrong reasons. Because leasing, if I can't afford that lifestyle to begin with, I want you to understand something right now. And if you, if you want more math, tweet us because at Fireproof Show, um, because I'll kill your math every time. You'll never, ever, ever prove to me what? The, okay, David Miscavige, little narcissistic there. I'm not. I'm just <laughs> saying it's mathematically flawed to say leasing's cheaper. I know. It's not. I know. Ever. Right. End of story. I know. But that doesn't mean it's a fleece because... If, if you're doing it for the right reason, so if you're saying, well, it's cheaper, no, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If you're trying to keep up with Bob the neighbor, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If you're trying to do it because you can get a nicer, newer car than what you could otherwise afford, that's the wrong reason too. Correct. Because it's not mathematically cheaper. If you're doing it because you don't drive a whole lot, but you do still need a vehicle periodically, probably not a bad idea. That'd be certainly one way. Correct. Or more specifically the convenience of saying you know what i like the fact that i don't have to worry about this thing right if something goes wrong with it the dealership takes care of it it's under warranty yes um you know there a lot of them will even do the preventative maintenance now by the way is the preventative maintenance in a lease free no no they should call it it's provided at no additional cost correct it's, ra- it's already wrapped into your payment they, they've built it in absolutely they have which if you're not familiar with leasing your payment is based on how many miles you say you're going to drive. So they mm-hmm. wrap the depreciation into your payment well, let's, already. Let's slow down because I've given this to people face to face. And you'd be surprised how many people really don't know how a lease is priced. Okay. So you just set it there. Let's mm-hmm. let's use a let's use a 36-month lease or a 3-year lease okay. just to simplify it. Yeah. So you said depreciation. What mm-hmm. do you mean? So it's a thirty thousand dollar car. What what's what's General Motors or what's Ford doing to as one component to price that lease? They are figuring out how much that vehicle is just going to depreciate in the next three years, which would be the same amount of depreciation in a vehicle that you purchase and drive off the lot. So and then they're basing that on, on the number of miles. So if you take low miles, that's why an ultra low mile lease is very cheap. Comes with the cheaper payment because mm-hmm. they're expecting that in 3 years when you turn it in, you've only got maybe 25, 24,000 miles on it, maybe 30,000 right. miles. Um right. I, I don't know exactly what they're going to define as ultra low mile lease. I think they give you a like I think they give you a you can go up to 10,000 miles a year. Yeah, I think all, but I was thinking ultra low might even be only 8,000 8, a year. Well, it could be. I'm just yeah. saying I rounded it to 10. Yep. To so they give you a number though. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to, they're not going to track whether you do all that number in 18 months or 12 months or 36 months. It's, it's just basically you turn that puppy back in in 36 months and you better have it under 30,000 miles. Well, and then you get a penalty, a pretty stiff penalty for every mile you go over. Correct. I think the kicker though that when you think about it, you start to see how this math is. Uh, tilted against you how much money do you get back for your unused miles zero Hmm. none zero 
Zero. So if you take, now I see this with older clients, and I've actually told some of the kids, buy grandma's car here. Because grandma took a 12,000 12, um, mile lease, right? So mm-hmm. at the end of three years, it's supposed to have 36,000. I've literally seen a few times where grandma's put 10,000 on it. Right, barely like, driven the thing. And so their their buyout after three years is based on a car having 36000 but you're not going to get a credit for that 26000 she didn't put on. Correct. So buy it. Yes. Buy it outright. And grandma took good care of that car. Probably, absolutely. All the, you know, it's been washed more than it's been driven almost. Right. But with the case, with that person you and I were talking about, one of the things that happened is they've now, because they did the ultra low mileage lease, what, a year ago? On a three-year... Probably 18 months ago, maybe. They've already hit their total allotted... Mileage. And so now, here's what's going to happen. And I don't know their lease details, but let's say it's 40 cents a mile. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing one time it was as low as 25, but I think 40 is a pretty good number today. Right. And so if they've used... We'll use a year and a half, okay, okay. to make it simple. And let's say they were allotted 30,000 miles and they've done 30 in that year and a half... So in a year and a half time, you know, amount of time from today, they're l- probably going to do another thirty. Let's be more conservative. Let's say twenty. Okay. Because there, you do drive the the new car a little bit more. You get excited, right? True. So at forty cents, now they owe eight grand. Right. So when that car is done, what are they going to do with that? Now are they going to buy the thing out? Well, now they're going to buy that thing out, and at an exponentially higher price than what they would have if they drove off the lot in it. <sighs> Well, that's, I think, where it gets tricky because it can go either way. But you think about it. If you were to buy the car, you're you're paying the thing off over, say, five years mm-hmm. or six years. But when you lease it, you're still, and you're, you know, you're responsible for the depreciation, right? Yeah. Which is more of a hidden cost. But you lease it, it's the depreciation plus any bumps and bruises, scrapes and right. nicks. You right. gotta, they go over the car. Mm-hmm. But I think where they get in trouble with that lease is now all of a sudden... That eight thousand, and they're gonna they're gonna roll that into another lease. Yes, because and, the whole entire reason you lease the cars because then in three years you can get another new car. Right, and so that would be well, I'll make it simple. At two hundred dollars a month over three years, that'd be seventy two hundred. Mm-hmm. So let's just say they give them a break a little bit. So now they've got that lease that should be like two hundred dollars a month, but they're gonna tack on another two hundred. Correct. And this is where people get a little bit further behind, a little bit further behind. It's like rolling over negative equity. Right. Um, you just don't feel it right away. And it takes a lot of times maybe a decade for this thing to keep compounding, but I've, I've seen it. Right. So then before you know it, you're into your third lease car and you're up to six or $700 a month. Mm-hmm. With no way out. Right. And, and here you are, you're paying all this depreciation for somebody else, essentially, and you own nothing. Right. I mean, that's tilted against you. I'm going to pay the depreciation. Something breaks out of warranty. I also got to pay it. I get a bump, nick, scratch, whatever. I got to fix it. And I don't own any of it. Correct. And you also have a car payment that is higher than the majority of people that buy cars. I think eventually with people who are doing this for the wrong reason, who couldn't really afford to buy the car to begin with, those are the ones who are going to fall into this. And there's a second factor or another factor called the money factor. We'll go into that when we come back. We've got to take our last break. The ups and downs of the stock market can be exciting, but not if you're near or in retirement. Predictable returns may not be exciting, but your needs tend to change later in life. When you are ready for a relatively more predictable financial plan, call Legacy Financial Network. 
we focus on crafting effective financial strategies. You can get your adrenaline rush elsewhere. Give our office a call at 855-LF-NETWORK or visit us at LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to GRMusicLessons.com. That's GRMusicLessons.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the final segment of Fireproof Your Finances. We are your hosts. And remember, you, you can join us on Twitter. You can be follower number 101, or if you're too slow, you might be 102, maybe 103. I don't know. They're stacking up real fast. <laughs> They're lining up. <laughs> Only had Twitter for like two years now. <laughs> we got more people joining us than Bernie Sanders does his campaign. No, that's not true because he just won in New Hampshire. All right, here we go. We got more people joining our Twitter than Joe Biden does going to his rallies <laughs> yeah that's not good oh man he's going downhill fast you know the good news he doesn't even remember when people don't show up though michael I- i'm serious okay <laughs> that's very mean-spirited but all right back it, to leasing vehicles well that's not good i said my new year's resolutions to be nicer i meant that in a nice way we're six weeks into the new year i've been working hard on it uh-huh so all right the other part to leasing is something called a money factor. So here's what you're doing. They're basing your lease price based on the mileage and how much they expect the car to depreciate. Correct. And who's going to be better at this math, them or you? Them. They are. And then what they do, and, and I've heard that now this money factor is starting to be published, but there was years and years, and this was a big reason why Ramsey would be like, leasing is leasing. Because they charge you interest, basically. They call it a money factor mm-hmm. on this depreciation as well. So you're getting a double double hit. Exactly. Well, and just like you would be, I suppose, you're being charged interest on the principal balance of a car that you're financing. Yeah. But so so here's the deal. Um, so that that influences the price as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's one of those things you should know what it is because I've never hurt or found anyone to be hurt by knowing an interest rate they're paying. But I've met a lot of people get hurt by not knowing an interest rate they're paying. Correct. So is leasing bad? No, it's a convenience. You'll know whether you're leasing for the right reason because if you're leasing for the fact that going, you know what, I just enjoy the fact that it's going to work. Mm-hmm. It's problem free for the most part. It's trouble free. And then you understand you're paying for that. Correct. Just like think about probably where a lot of you live, especially if you don't have kids in the house anymore, kids going through K through 12. Right. Then you have to ask, why am I still living here? Why am I not living in an area that maybe doesn't have as good of schools? Right. Well, because there's a cost for comfort. You enjoy where you're comfortable yes. where you live. You lived in the house for 20 years. Why would you move? And I was telling the taxi driver and I were talking about that. And we were talking about because I was in Dallas. And I said, you know, if somebody wanted to go to a sporting event and they wanted to stay downtown to be close to that they're going to pay more to be downtown because it's more convenient. Correct. There's a cost to convenience. And by the way, and if they want a, a nicer room that's cleaner, it's more comfortable, guess what? They go to a nicer hotel. And that's more expensive too. Correct. There's a cost for comfort. There's a cost for convenience. Doesn't make that bad. If they want to be able to sit in a family room and watch TV while their significant other goes to bed, there's a cost 
for a bigger room. <laughs> I agree. So nothing, in my opinion, nothing wrong with leasing. Where we got to be careful is what is the re- what's the purpose? Why are you influenced to want to lease? Correct. We've given the warning signs. And then the fact that you're penalized for overage miles, but you're not compensated when you go under. Right. And then the fact that they're going to charge you an interest rate on the depreciation as well. So, in other words, you're going to take really good care of this asset, mm-hmm. this thing, for two or maybe three years. And you're responsible for all the depreciation. Mm-hmm. You're responsible for all of the repairs not under warranty. Again, you know. Correct. Because they you, still have some of those. And if you go, well, no, Mike, they threw in my wiper blades. That They just built it into your lease. Right. You just don't see it. It's there. You're paying right. for it. Because somebody in a back room sits and calculates they're going to have to get new wiper blades once a year. Yep. Wiper blades cost X amount. This is how much extra. It, it's the same thing with the insurance on the vehicle. If you want a lower deductible on your uh, windshield, it's an extra $3 a month. Right. And I can say this because I used to do windshields. Mm-hmm. And I also looked at my insurance for my car at one point in time. <laughs> well, staying on the car topic, I was meeting with a client the other a few weeks ago. They wanted to know whether they should pay their car off. And I think they had about 10000 they owed on it. Mm-hmm. His argument was, Mike, <clears throat> it only cost me $25 a month in interest. That's $300 a year. They're not making that much on the money, though, in the bank. Okay. Um, they've got $70,000 in the bank. And so he thought, you know, my, you know, he absolutely thought I would just say, well, you pay it off. I can go either way on this. It's not mathematically significant. Right. When, you know, I, I see these examples where somebody show, here's what, car, you know, buying cars is robbing you of retirement funds. And they use the whole payment and they say, that's why you pay cash. Well, hold on a minute. If I pay $30,000 in cash up front, boom, right? Yep. Or I pay 34000 over five years because of interest. Mm-hmm. Why is it they do those calculations saying, well, if you didn't pay that $500 a month for three, you know, four or five years, you could be investing that. Well, well, no, I'd be putting that away so I could, you know, buy that car for cash. Right. right. So therefore, what is the difference between those two? It's not what if I was investing the $500 a month payment? It's what if I was investing the dollars I'm paying in interest? Correct. And when you see that, because I've seen examples where where they'll show whatever well, you know, you'll be a, if you just get rid of the four hundred dollar month car payment, you'll be a millionaire. No, you won't, because at some point you will have to you're, put something aside. You're still to pay gonna cash. you're still gonna have to replace that car. Right now, you could make an argument that if you buy the same level of vehicle, say a thirty thousand dollar car, and, or or finance thirty thousand dollar car, but you learn how to keep it maybe four or five years longer. Mm-hmm. But then you'd have to offset that for a little bit extra maintenance too. Now, right. I'm never going to argue with you that it's better to keep a car longer because you're getting rid of that depreciation. It can only depreciate so far. Correct. And it's almost always mathematically cheaper to fix it than replace it. Almost always. Right. Even when that repair may exceed the, the value. Of, you know, sometimes it's a $5,000 car and somebody goes, why would I put a $3,000 engine in it? You're right. It's a bad investment, but your car's not an investment. Right. Uh, perfect example. My dad's cousin, Leslie. Mm-hmm. Up until two years ago, three years ago, she drove a 1982 BMW that she purchased sometime in the 80s. Sure. I don't know that it was new. 
I don't know. Meticulous. Very, very meticulous. She drove that thing all over the place. The woman makes quite a bit of money. Mm -hmm. She lives in downtown Chicago in a penthouse. It finally died, and the mechanic said, Leslie, this is basically beyond my, like, put it to bed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She was so upset because, A, she not only loved that car, but, B, she knew everything that that car did, and the amount of maintenance she put into it was not anywhere near what she would have spent on a brand new vehicle. Sure. So, in the end, because we're out of time... Would we tell? Would I tell that client to pay it off or not? In his case, it wasn't the interest that was meaningful. It was math. It was twenty five dollars a month. They you, they spend more on going out to dinner than they do on that interest. Correct. We had a conversation. If your seventy thousand went to sixty, how will you feel? The husband and wife both said, "You know what? Uncomfortable because seventy is already a little bit lower because they've been doing some house stuff. Right. Then they want it. Right. So we said, pay it off then." Because if you're uncomfortable, you will naturally spend less on everyday things. You will naturally go out to eat fewer, um, fewer times. You'll naturally do just less stuff because you're uncomfortable. Right. So that's how you look at it from a behavioral perspective because mathematically it wasn't that impactful. That's all the time we have today. I want to thank you again for joining us. Until next week, this has been another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. God bless. This has been Fireproof Your Finances with Michael and Vanessa Markey. Want to listen to past shows or get in touch with Michael or Vanessa? Head over to twitter.com slash fireproofshow or go to fireproofradio.net. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Mike Markey and Legacy Financial Network are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.